It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We're back. T.A. Mahoney, Tales from the Dark Side. Full moon. Full moon tonight. And I brought a full moon kind of guy in here today. We got Jason Getman, Sign Zoo. What's up, Jason? How you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. Tell us a little bit about Sign Zoo. When they started, when you started with them, uh, what kind of work do you all do? Just let the people know a little bit about what goes on during the day. <laughs> hey, well, it's a, it's called a zoo for a reason, so that's a, that kind of is a starting point. Right. Um, we've been there since 2000. So 22 years. Um, I've been with the company since 2004. Um, so awesome. Whatever that equals, 17, 18 years. So kind of a long-standing member. But um, you know, we're we do stickers. We do wraps for trucks and boats and one of the first, weren't you? You know, seemed like we, how long? We, 24 years. Yeah, we. I've, I know we've done the first of a few things. You know, I right. mean, I do know that uh, you know not many people would put a sticker on a boat. Um, and we kind of kicked that trend off and obviously it's exploded through, um, advertisers as well as personal boats and you know, stuff like it, that. So it first come out, you never would have dreamed it was as big as it was going to be from, you know, tournament fishermen. I think it really got into where the, the push was. Yeah. The first. SKA and yeah. the, you know, the, there was another one, I think it was the FLW tour right. bass boat stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, advertisers, we do a lot of plumbers and electricians and that sort of advertising wraps. Um, and that's just turned over into the, uh, marine world. I mean, right. TA Mahoney, everyone, power pole, you know, everyone sure. sees the value out of that. So. Well, and it's the first stop. It's like, uh, it's almost like Mahoney sometimes when you buy a boat, your first stops <laughs> here for the accessories yeah. or wherever you're going right. to go to get right. them. Um, Zoo has definitely moved into that position. I remember years ago, you know, you're talking about the FLW, I believe Hydrosport, I fished the SKA, I didn't fish that FLW. Yep. Um, but the Hydrosport people were in both, and I remember when they were getting the boats done, the uh, I think a Snickers boat, an yep. M&M boat. Yep. Um, we did a, a uh, one of the sliced meat ones, and it was for a friend of yours over there. And uh, your meat meat guy, I know you know his name. Well, it'll come up here in a little while. But um, it was a bologna or, or some sort of advertising on there. But, yeah, they did a lot. It was uh, all of the advertising came through actually Walmart, if you would think right. about that. They were advertising products that they obviously wanted to push in That's their stores. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, the, the wraps have grown tremendously. Um, you know, funny story, how we kind of really got into, uh, the wraps. We started, uh, locally a guy, air conditioning guy came up and, um, said, Hey, I'm, I'm 
want to enter a contest of the best advertising idea. And I know you guys can do stickers. You did stickers on there. I want my truck to look like clouds and I want my logo to be on there. And we're like, perfect, we'll do that. And so we set it up, sent him a proof. And um, he went to the trade show and there was 700 members, I think, at the show. And he ended up winning the best marketing idea of the wow. year. And literally in a week, I mean, we had 500 calls. Yeah, and, you know, awesome. I mean, just everybody's like, how do I do this? And so from, you know, Florida to California, we're helping people out. So. Yeah, it's worked out great. You know, when it first started, like I said, you kind of everybody, I'm sure yourself, you know, too, doing something new like that, you're somewhat skeptical. But, uh, you know, just even the I know people who bought cars and they don't like the color. Yeah, they love the car. Yeah, but the colors just and they would love to have it in some color that's not offered. Right. You know, and you're talking a good paint job on a high end car is probably ten or fifteen thousand start to finish. You know. Well, I know Tesla now doesn't they only offer two or three colors, maybe right. four. I don't don't quote me on that, but they are very bland and obviously everyone has a Tesla or a lot more people have a Tesla. Yeah. So we're I getting saw this, a lime green one yeah, the other day. I, I bet say, you that's not one that. No, that's not off the factory. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a wrap for sure. Yeah, and it's pretty neat because it protects the paint, yep. so it holds uh, the value to your investment. Mm -hmm. And uh, the main thing I've noticed over time with the companies that wrap is, you know, there's a ton of them that do it, but most of those don't seem like they hold up as well. Like the guy who's half the price, you got to realize that there's a reason for him half the process, being half somewhere. the price. Right. And I know that I, I have a buddy of mine, uh, Matt Clapp, who's on Tales from the Dark Side with me, and he gets a lot of vehicles wrapped. And when I got mine wrapped by y'all mm -hmm. and I brought it and he saw it, the first thing he did is he went and looked. I didn't know this, but he's looking for seams. Yep. And he's like, whoever you got to do this, Mahoney, is probably the best I've ever seen. Right. And uh, that's, you know, y'all been doing it a while. There, There is a, um, in the wrapping world, there's a uh, contest in, for installers. Right. And so, um, you know, Todd, my partner, um, went up and entered when we were, it's probably 15, I guess maybe 20 years ago now, but. Um, he entered into the contest and there's, you know, it's an industry contest. So there's installers from all over the country. And, um, I still remember him telling me the story that, you know, he finished third, but should have won technicality, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, you know, being third in the country, That's, um, uh, and then yeah. him, he's the one that is teaching our guys that come through. So, I mean, it's the craftsmanship, you got good designers, you can have the best product, but if it's not on the vehicle and it's not presenting, no seams or clean seams and, and you know three four years later it's still on there then that's our print and our design is yeah is worthless you know so that's right the craftsmanship's definitely a, a big part of it especially with boats if you're working with boats i mean that these, must be some of the toughest you know, i mean you work to do you work with a guy that just bought a million dollar boat or a five hundred thousand dollar boat right. and of course his five or six thousand dollars is um, it's not the amount of money that he's spending, but he still wants the quality. And That's so, right. you know, I mean, I don't look at it any differently. I mean, it's still a big project, a cool project. Sure. And I love doing the boats because it's unique and you're doing something to personalize this guy's boat each and every time. But he still is looking 
I mean, we do the Freemans, and you can't find a seam on there either. No. You know, and that thing's six foot tall. Well, and all know? those boats in Venice, do you, you do most of them there? Like, uh, do a good portion of them that, uh, yeah. through there. I mean, Mexican Gulf and yep. Voodoo. And we don't. We did the Voodoo guys there for a while, and and um, I think they're getting their boats now through the factory or through the you know Louisiana, and they were coming out of Yellowfin, so we were right. doing a handful of them there when they were coming from right. Sarasota. But you know, I mean, we do a lot of charters we do you know charter yeah. businesses we do a lot of personal stuff so but and a lot you, of the go ahead you have one location right you're in sarasota yep but yeah. you also travel the installers travel so they'll go pretty much wherever tampa's um, not a problem at all now we're here st pete clearwater yep. fort myers yeah bradenton they went to baton rouge last week yeah <laughs> so yeah you know that's it's wherever wherever the work is we'll go that's great um i wanted to let people know one of the companies i deal with definitely sign zoo is uh top of the line i'll tell you what really impressed me with them is you know i i know that i can't go and tell you how to do your job right but being able to give you guys some ideas of what i want it to look like and you've done two personal jobs for me the truck for tales from the dark side and you also did uh the contender i had with the coffin and both of those were basically i just threw a few things at you that i wanted Mm -hmm. and the whole design and everything came right there um are you one of those designers or you have designers we have designers you know and a lot of them we're blessed with um ringling school of art is five minutes from our office and that's awesome and you know they're a really good Support talented too, yeah, yeah we use we get a lot of um interns that come through there and help um but the the two designers three designers that we have um all came from there through their graduation or graduates uh, design program so a lot of them we don't give them a box and say here you need to design everything this way right we, we really don't even pay attention to the design hey you got a 35 foot whatever this is the the brand this is the and give me what you want and let him make the make the dinner yeah you know so i think the best part you know and you get a lot of the business and marketing side but when you get into the personal wraps and you have your input you get your kids involved or your wife involved it becomes the wrap actually becomes a part of the whole family so i mean it is um the design and being uh, the ability to be custom with it is really neat yeah you know for sure and i know over time i've printed a ton of shirts and there's a lot of people out there that print shirts you know you can uh you know clip art you know our buddy steven over here that's filming us he's a master (laughs) at clip art i think he made the design for the production company and we make fun of him because you know anybody can go in there and clip it and i've seen wraps and i know everybody has it it just it's a wrap but it just doesn't look like it flows right and it seems to me, when I see a wrap with your logo on it, I'm thinking to myself, you can definitely tell the difference in that. We have a, you know, we joke around about this at the office. I mean, designs are subjective, right? Whoever right. is that's in the eye of the beholder, right? That's right? And so, I mean, maybe the clip art is the is the the choice. Um, you know, maybe people want a real fake fish. You right. know, so I mean, it's um, been doing it so long. I don't even really care. <laughs> I wanted right. to, you know, I mean, yes, it I works. will, I will give them my opinion and I will tell them strongly that, no, I, I think you should probably go more this way. Um, but I mean, if they want 
pink rainbows and and bow ties and 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 flounder and and catfish well that's, that's the best do. looking catfish i've ever seen yeah it you seems know, like so. on on one of mine i was wanting something and you kind of said well that gets a little busy and it's yep. not really going to yep. do benefit to anything if you make it that busy you know Correct. it's going to be a blur so um i listened to you and i'll tell you it was one of the best i've seen um we got a uh, break coming up Cool. Jason, give us a phone number, Jason, where somebody uh, can get a hold of you. The best way is, uh, I mean, honestly, website, signzoo.com is there. Uh, the phone number's on there, 800-239-3815. So you can call. It's easier to probably email and uh, maybe get more of a directed answer um, back from that. If you call, you're going to talk to some people as well. So it's not impossible to use that. But email and, and uh, web links work pretty good. Good deal. We will be right back. We got another segment with Jason. We're going to talk a little more fishing and see, see if he can give us some hints. <laughs> T.A. Mahoney, Tales from the Dark Side. We got Sign Zoo with us today. Jason Getman. We're talking wrapping vehicles, or we were. We were. Now we're going to get to the tales. The, the nitty gritty. Yeah, the real stuff, the fun stuff. So, uh, Jason, give us an idea of where you grew up, what kind of fishing you got in, when you got into fishing. I, uh, I grew up in Bradenton, born and raised Florida for many of you that don't know where Bradenton is. Um, started really young, actually, going on docks and going fishing with my dad. Obviously, everybody kind of did that, and that gets you into it. Um, but I had a buddy in, in high school that had a skiff, Carolina skiff, and he'd drag it to school every day, and wow. we'd go fishing after school at 2, two or 3.30, and it was back when no one would bother you, and you could catch redfish and snook, and... We'd fish up uh, Braden River, up the, you know, come out in Manatee River there, Bulkhead and uh, Bean Point area and kind of work, Maria, Maria, work yep. our way down south to Sarasota and Long, Long Bar. Key. Yep. So, you know, we've stuck around there for most of my growing up ages and doing the inshore stuff. And What was fun. your uh, favorite fish to catch back then? You know, redfish was, the, was always my favorite. And... Um, you what know, did you like about redfish? I, they they fought and they they stayed in the water and they just dragged and pull and you know the the, the noise of the lot the reel and oh, yeah. letting up like a, a bulldog um, yeah right? kind of loosen the drag a little bit so you can hear that line run you know so um, they were always a little harder to catch too you know and right. so I mean you know if you get on a good snook hole it's one after another right. um, same thing with redfish I've come across the big big schools that you don't see that much anymore but. Um, you know, it was just always fun. They pulled and felt like you were working. What you know? was so, uh, bait of choice for the redfish when you were younger? You know, we've always caught, we've always tried to catch, you know, live bait, shiners. Right. Um, we'd get into them and rip them in half, cut them in half. And, you know, a lot of the old guides that you probably fish now, they'd tell you those secrets. But um, plastics sometimes use those long white jig tail or bucktail jigs and some fake baits and lures and all that stuff but mainly live bait you know pinfish well, you know, are good too sometimes um live bait's not plentiful right and especially winter time comes i mean our winter is so kind of we don't really get winter till when february it seems right. like january For a week or two yeah but the bait does go away into the year and gets 
really small. There are a few places to catch it, but as a kid, you almost got to turn to plastics because you're not going to take that Carolina skip nope. all the way across to Weeden Island right. to catch bait and then right. run over to the the east side of the bay, you know, maybe where the fish are. So, you know, one of the first things I remember actually fishing, you know, was before that we would pond hop in the neighborhoods. Right. Um, you know, I grew up out east where there was, you know, a house every three or four acres and every other house had a pond. Um, you know, so we did a lot of that. And, and um, you know, I think that gets you into using the plastics and using the frogs and using the different, yep. you know, fake Step right and, in and start fishing. Yeah, because you're not using, you know, unless you're using dog food or bread. You, you know? ever so, fish over there in one of those places that don't want you to fish there? Um, we would always, yes, ask, but we would knock. There was a nice old lady that would let us, we would always knock. What, like big and, pieces of property with a pond on it you're yeah. talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. there was, um, it was probably a three or four acre lot and her house, you know, uh, property. And there was a house on it and she, her husband was, her and her husband were older. And, um, you know, my mom always told me, just go and knock, go ask. Yeah. And so we'd knock and she answered and she she's like, no problem, no big deal. And I remember the husband or the father there passed away and the son started coming to the house and he didn't like it he cut that, <laughs> he off, cut real that off real quick he was like get out of here you little kids and so now you know i i kind of live in the same general area and you know i see those kids riding around on their golf carts now you know they're not riding around on bikes like we used to but right you know, they got their their poles and their tackle box and you know even my kids it's do a it. lot tougher for them i think back when we were kids people wanted to see that you know i kind of i approached it a different way as a kid mm -hmm. and, and both were productive the way you did it and I did it I would kind of go on to the property and just start fishing and then of course if they came out angry and yelling I could kind of get out of there pretty quick but if they came out like no big deal I was you were good to go yeah it was we, like, we would start with you know a lot of the um, one of the bigger ponds that we would fish at was at a church so we started where we didn't really have to ask you know we felt like it's at church ain't no one gonna get mad here right um, there was a couple of them that were, you know, on undeveloped land, you know, so we weren't really bothering anybody, right. you know, but you definitely kept the second eye out because, of course, if the, you know, we learned quick, you know, the wife says it, okay, that doesn't mean that <laughs> Papa Bear don't come home and yell at you about That's it, you know. Right. So. We, I remember one when you were talking, that, and I used to be the same way. I grew, grew up more inland. I grew up in Brandon, so... Um, it wasn't like I lived on the coast and the coast was really close. It mm -hmm. almost seemed like a pretty good drive to go over to Clearwater or right. Longboat Key we used to go to. Mm -hmm. um, and back then, 75 wasn't there, so we ran 41, 41. down. Yep. It was probably every bit of an hour, hour and a half to pull a boat down there yep. um, way back. But, you know, one of the ponds we fished in was called the Cops Pond. <laughs> and, and the story, and I think some of this stuff that kids make up, but... The older kids would tell us, you know, oh, no, cop lives there, and he's mean, and mm -hmm. he's going to come shoot you with the rock salt if he sees you. Well, <laughs> the way we used to go in, it was almost perfect because we'd go down a dirt road and then, of course, jumped a fence into his property. But his house was all the way across. Mm -hmm. So anytime anybody was coming back to where you were either side, you know, you could kind of have that view of them. You've you seen them coming. You know, and of course, we'd never hang out if we saw them coming. We'd be gone before, you know, you know and then we'd go back right. to the other two little ponds. Right. And, I mean, just some really good times back then. But I think today's a little bit tougher. Um, 
I got a funny story for you. My yeah, uh, a buddy of mine, Kevin Hallis. He doesn't even live. He lives in Dallas. His yeah. father was a construction guy and would big the big build the big high rises. Um, and down in Fort Myers, I think it was called the Bell Tower Mall or something. It was, it was huge. And there's ponds all over and buildings being built. So we'd go down there summertime and we were working. Um, but we'd always bring the fishing poles and, you know, about 1030, it's too Just hot for that. Oh, yeah. We'd be right over there in the pond fishing and no one would ever know it. Right. Well, Kevin was fishing and got a bass of his lifetime. And he's reeling it in, reeling it in. And he goes running around and he slips on a rock and bang, falls on the ground, busts, hits his head on a rock, cracks his head open, gets the fish in. Awesome. Didn't have cameras back then. So you got to see it. Now we're looking at his head and it's bleeding. Walk back to the truck, screaming at everybody. His dad's up on the top, running the crew. Hey, we got to go to the hospital. We think he cracked his head open. He's bleeding real bad. You guys shouldn't have been fishing. Get in the truck. I'll be there in a minute. About 45 minutes later, two t- shirts, uh, you know, trying to stop the blood. You know, it was really just a, it was a decent gash. He wasn't dying, but learned real quick as a kid you thought he was oh yeah brains about to come out oh yeah and his dad did not have it when he got back in there he gave us a lashing we should have been working we shouldn't have been goofing off there you go so you learn real quick that you know you although you want to fish when you get the chances it ain't always the right time to go so hard um, to tell a kid that no well you know but uh his dad was a great guy he had a grady white and uh we would go down fishing and we would drive from bradenton to fort myers area and then drop the boat in and run. And we'd go down to try Tortugas and kind of fish down there for the couple days and come back. So those were like really getting into going from lake fishing, pond fishing to getting into saltwater and, and going, okay, well, this is cool. This is different. Sure. You know, and this is not where redfish and trout and snook are at, you know. So that kind of piqued my interest for the, the offshore part of fishing and, and, and now where I try to spend most of my time fishing and is, is offshore because of that you know so right. and what do you target mainly when you go offshore now i mean you know i'm i'm pretty cool with anything that'll bite the hook you know i mean this coast we're obviously we look for grouper and snapper and um you know try to find a pelagic you know we, we'll troll you know from spot to spot or looking for spots um yep. on the machine we'll we'll troll um, mainly on, out of Tampa Bay here, Egmont. Yeah, Key yeah, we'll area. run out of you know Anna Maria, Egmont, Bean Point area. Um, sometimes may go south a little bit. Sometimes go north, depending on the, the time of year. And you know, really, if we're running in, a ran in a 23 foot boat, 45 miles, and a ran in a 34 foot boat, 100 miles. So yeah, you know, really depends on what you're going out with, and and, and depending on the time of year. What what did y'all mainly catch when uh, you went out with your buddy there with that Grady White years ago as a kid? you know so offshore we were catching they were doing a lot of spear fishing and so they would spear a lot of the snappers and the the groupers um we were actually standing up in the boat unhooking them off the the fish line you know the little fish hook we'd throw them in the cooler throw them in the box give them a hook they'd go back down they'd come back up no measuring they maybe had a measuring tape on there. I mean, they were shooting. They were shooting them right in the head. So if they were in there, they were dead anyway. Done. <laughs> it didn't right. matter. So they were maybe they were measuring them down underneath. I don't. I don't know how that works. Right. I was 10, 12. I didn't ask yeah, no questions. That's right. But um, I do remember we'd fish and you know put the other chunk bait or whatever on there after they'd come up and, and de-rig and 
and we'd catch the sharks and the barracudas and the, the cool stuff as a kid. As a kid, you'd you love know? that. Oh, yeah, it was great. But, you know, then you start going out there, you know, you see, obviously, the, the bigger pelagics, and, and then you really see these sharks come up next to you, and you're like, whoa, that's eight, nine, ten-foot-long shark. Like, that's a serious fish. Right. You know, so... I mean, the snappers, and, and um, I think they were, I guess you would call them mutton snapper. They're more pinkish snapper, not red. Well, um, the mutton snapper is going to have that dot on it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm not going to tell you that you don't catch them here because you do and we see them, but not, there's not an abundance from right. what I've seen. We were way south doing, you know, yeah. doing that. I mean, Fort we were Myers, down. Fort Myers, right? Well, we went from Fort Myers towards Key West. Oh, okay. You know, we so were driving yeah, straight You very down. well could have been muttons right. back then. Yeah, so... I mean, here now, obviously, we're going off, um, you know, straight out west of Anambria. So, I mean, the you normal bottom. Do you think there's a uh, shark problem in this area? Do you notice a lot when you're fishing out there, sharks? You know, we've <laughs> – it's a funny story. A um, couple weekends ago, and I don't want to mean that I don't even change location, no. but we no. went to Key West – or, you know, Marathon. Right. Uh, went down there for an event for work, and um, – didn't bring the boat so got a charter for the for a couple one day down there while we were there and did an inshore charter and uh, guy was like well there's tarpon there's triple tail there's you know redfish snook that sort of stuff we'll go run in the bay um sure enough we went up in the bay and got bait and they're using mullet and i mean we probably had two dozen bait and we probably caught 10 sharks and i mean every you know nurse shark bull shark black tip i mean it wasn't just the same shark it was different sharks and different species so um another guide or captain came over at the same spot and was complaining about the sharks. so i mean i do think we've seen a couple of them just this past weekend offshore here um i think they are there and if we treated them the way the guys in venice louisiana treat them it'd probably be a lot less well, so. you know, even there, and the reason why I ask is my buddies here, myself, I've seen it, Venice, you know, all the guys in the bay boats up in Venice that were going off to catch those red snapper, mm -hmm. really having a problem getting, not catching their fish, getting them in the boat. I right. mean, a lot of half fish, The, you know, since they stopped the whole kill yep. on sharks, I've noticed you know, and a lot of them. We were fortunate where we fished for snapper up there was a pipeline crossing, mm -hmm. which was is underwater. Right. There's no rig actually there. Now, where I've seen problems with sharks, usually at the rigs. Yep. Now, we have fished a couple rigs that are done. They don't use them, and what they do is just fold them over. Yep. And there's been some, you know, I've seen probably a 10 or 12 foot tiger shark eating mm. snapper on those and of course it's time to go but just a you know a big problem with them everywhere and i was just wondering if you've seen it also offshore here i've i've you know i'll, I'll admit i don't fish as much as i want to right. the last couple times i didn't notice an over abundance of sharks but i do you know they do show up and we yeah. pick up and we take off yeah. You know, so that's definitely a, uh, it's always, they've always been there and kind of just think the second hat, you know, with yeah. sharks there in there as well, fishing. And you know, feet, West so. Coast fishing, I've always told people inshore and offshore, the way I feel about it, it's hit it, drop, catch what you're going to catch. When the bite slows down, move. Go. Yep. Uh, you may hit 10 or 15 spots offshore. We very seldom have one of those days where you hit one or two spots and get limited out. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that, you know, we, we have a, on the boat, there's a, 
you know, a f- uh, one song rule. You know, I mean, the captain will call it out. Last song. Yeah. You know, and he sees it and he knows. I mean, either the bite was on and on and right. and then it's turned off or it never kicked on. And he's already looking for a spot. He's got his next spot. Let's go. Right. You know, so, I mean, obviously it's, um, you know, you're not, you don't have a lot of daylight. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you're going to be fishing a sp- sp- uh, target, you know, you obviously need to go and move and, and keep baits in the water, but not obviously if they're not there. That's so. right. You know, I talked to you earlier in the week, too, on the phone about pelagics. And, you know, one of the reasons why I ask you about what y'all used to fish for when you were a kid, because my dad, you know, I used to fish out here with my dad offshore. Uh, I've caught red snapper. I've, you know, caught all kinds of gags and cobia and all the good stuff that we get Mm -hmm. bottom fishing out there. But very seldom has he ever, for one, he's never even caught a wahoo out here. Hmm. Um, He did. I was a kid. I was on the boat with him. We caught one sailfish, and I've told this story before. We caught it on a buoy line. <laughs> like if you can picture this sailfish, we had a, a a white line in the water, eighth inch nylon with a crab ball yep. and bicycle float through it, and then we had a weight at the bottom. Well, the sailfish must have been playing with that white line, and he got his tail wrapped. <laughs> So he ends up pulling the weight and the buoy. We see the thing underwater. Of course, I was a kid and thought it was, you know, Jaws. But <laughs> we went over there and got it. My dad did and pulled it in. And, you know, it was a heck of a fish story. Uh, we did end up seeing Jaws, by the way. And like I said, I've, I've told this story on here before. It was big. two big great whites came in and uh, finished the sailfish off for us. But, you know, other than that, we've never really seen pelagic. So... Over the last few years, I've started catching wahoo. I've caught quite a few sailfish off my boat. I've caught one myself. You know, usually somebody else is in the back of the boat, and I'm right. doing something when the fish, you know, the videoing. Line, right, flat line goes off. Yeah, um, and I let them catch it. They're usually buddies that hadn't caught it before. But you know, when I had the opportunity and that one went off on <laughs> that spinner, I grabbed it. It was a flat line. But you know, really, I've gotten into it now to where. I'll almost go out there and be willing to, you know, spend all day, 12, 14 hours for one bite, you know, a a 50-pound wahoo, a marlin, a sailfish, you know. Yeah, no, you're right. And you really have done something over on this coast, you know. It was like we were talking about on the phone. You know, we we all, our expectations are are somewhat higher than the reality of the fishing. That's right. That's going to be for the day, you know, and everyone wants that big, big catch right um and i think that you know there's a lot of good fishermen and there's a lot of recreational weekend warriors that i'm in the category i'm in right um i like the challenge of looking for that and understanding like what does it take to catch that right you know like is it something new right i mean you know i've caught a snook i've caught a redfish i've caught a cobia tarpon i've worked my way out you know i've never caught a wahoo i've never caught a sailfish i've caught mahi i've caught the you know sharks and barracudas and all those other you know the fish that are on those wrecks but not a marlin not a sailfish you know so i've caught tuna you know so the 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 eagerness of me learning that you know that's what i that's the, that's where i'm at now in my fishing game you know and right. i want to see that something new. i'd that's fish exactly. all day to your point to catch a 50 pound wahoo we're all cheering drinking beer on the way home yeah. i mean i don't care who hooked it i don't care who caught it right i just want to be part of be it. on you know? on the boat so it's a, i can tell you you got to get on we use hilton real-time navigation there's a few of them out there hilton seemed to be on the money i've met i fished with thomas hilton down in key west mm-hmm. really nice guy 
um, try to get my buddies to do that. We haven't had a lot of activity out there. Um, even in Venice, they really didn't have a rip, you know, that we could fish. We did mm -hmm. go and fish this one little rip, but it's nothing like they usually have. Right. Um, the guy at Osprey Charters told me first time in 30 or 40 years that he didn't catch a blue marlin in the month of June. 30, um, 40 years. Yeah, wow. of being down there. So something is going on there with the, his thoughts on it are the, the electronics, you know, yeah. and how we're teaching people. Um, apparently these big boats, you know, they got like a periscope that <laughs> goes down and it's pinging so hard they can almost tell you how big that fish is. Wow. So in these tournaments, you know, we've always had big fish in the Gulf, you know, mm -hmm. Pensacola, Mississippi, Texas, Louisiana, somebody's weighing in an 800 to a thousand pounder, you know, I mean, right. it's, it's not uncommon, um, but not multiple. But what you're seeing now is they're sitting on these, like an oil rig, they spot this 800 pound Marlin and, then and they, they can go right to that depth and, and basically hand feed it. <laughs> um, and when you look at some of the side imaging and stuff that's right. out there, right. they've actually in some of these Marlin tournaments have gone to no sonar. Not allowing them for that right. advantage, yeah. And one of the guys up there in Venice that I fished with told me because of that technology, he thinks it runs the fish off. Um, you can imagine the wattage that's pinging the yeah, ground. Like I mean, they have that, to feel that. Yeah, especially you know? if they've, if they, you know, who knows how they think, but you associate it's like a deer. Right. You know, you, you can drive past a deer all you want with your lights on, and he stands there and look at you, but he knows what brake lights are. <laughs> when you touch brake lights, yep. gone. Yep. I've seen it. Well, that's an educated deer. Right. You know, he's not as smart as me. He may not feel like me. Right. But he knows red lights after the white lights is something, no good. Something bad's coming. <laughs> Time to go. Yep. And you wonder if, if those marlin are thinking the same way. Hopefully, you know, six years ago, gags and red snapper, we were catching them to the south yep. of Tampa Bay. We talked yep. about this. Now everything that we're catching is north. Yep. And when I say north and south, I mean of <laughs> Egmont Channel. Yep. So when you're going out, you can get deeper, quicker to the south. To the north, you got to run a little further to get to that deep water. It's a yep. contour of the shelf. Um, but I highly recommend running that way right now to catch those kind of fish and look for those temp breaks and upwellings. If you have an upwelling, and I'm no expert, I'm just learning this, you go on that Hilton chart and there's an upwelling where you have a temp change you're stacking the odds right there right to go favorite. to that area but we haven't seen that the i got a report out of venice where the guy out of venice inlet caught some pelagics 160 miles to the southwest which is basically 60 miles away from the fort right fort you know the key west right whatever. way down yes that's a long ride and most people can't do that, and that's a three-day trip for him. He was up here five or six weeks ago. He told me he went to the box where they had some kind of upwelling there. On the outside of it, nothing. No birds, no bait. He came to the inside of it, which was 600 feet, and all the pelagics were in there. They're running in there. So hmm. I was with Dylan Hubbard 
I don't know, six weeks ago, and we got a 94-pound wahoo out there on a flat line. So He's a good guy to know. Man, them guys are fishy over there, I'll tell you. <laughs> and it was fun. Like I was telling you, we had a, a boat full of jokers, and you had to be on guard. You know, that's – and, I, and you know, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, it's the one thing that I can say I've fished a lot of tournaments, and I say a lot. You know, I mean, there's people that have fished more tournaments. But, you know, I've fished a lot of tournaments. I've fished a lot of different spots, in the, you know, Florida and Louisiana and Mississippi and you know one thing we always strive for is to catch fish but one thing we always do is have fun for and sure. you know if you're not having fun when you're out on you know fishing you find it you know go golfing or something you know because right. it's you know I mean if you're that to me you know I get out there and it's a it's a world and you know you, you're eager to learn and you know the the fight and the the battle to catch that fish you know is is strong in your head but Still, you want to be out there and have a good time, right. you know. So and that's the way I think about tournaments. I fish quite a few myself. I fished uh, the Redfish, ESPN Tour. Boyo, mm -hmm. Berta deal, and I was never worth anything. You know, half the pack. I'm sixty something out of 125. So well, you uh, ain't fishing with average, the Watts brothers is the problem. No, fishing against them, I beat them <laughs> one time. I beat them. Uh. Well, one time on that circuit. When they first got into it, and I told, I did this with a podcast. <laughs> Brian Watts, him and his brother, come out of Lakeland. They're going to yep. fish a snook tournament against me and Jerry Williams, a buddy of mine. They called downtown, and we smoked them. Mm. I mean, we spanked them. <laughs> you know, I maybe won twenty five dollars. Entry fee was five dollars or something. It was right. it was more of a bragging tournament. But that one, and I think I was in Lake Charles one time and came in seventh, and they were in ninth. And I felt like I was in first. <laughs> I came home, people would go, hey, what place did you come in? Ahead of the Watts yeah, brothers. That's right. That's exactly where I was that's at. That's right. And you talk about some good people, man, them, the Watts them brothers. They, uh, for all you tournament anglers out there that are making money off of it, promoting it, fishing hard, um, they set the stage for that, man. Yeah. They were the original guys that found out they could make money fishing, and the they OGs. fished hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, a lot of people think those tournaments are fun. That's why I stopped fishing them. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> because even a kingfish tournament, and I support them around here, and right. I understand the the competitiveness of it. Right. I've done a ton of them, and they're always bad weather, and we run as far as we possibly can, and somebody catches one out on the beach is yep. usually what happens. <laughs> and we went the wrong way. Yep. We went yep. south, and they should have should have gone north. Yep. But And I have fun now. I'm not... You know, some of the shows we do, and that's really what this is all about. It's about having fun with your friends. And, yep. you know, when, you, uh, when you're when you laying there, if you get the opportunity to have that choice to lay on a deathbed instead of just being swept away, you know, what you're going to be thinking about is memories and those fishing times yep. and those ponds when you were kids and jumping fences and, you know, all that fun stuff we yep. used to do that was innocent that all had to do with fish. Right. You know, I've caught yeah. I've said this before on the podcast. I've caught fishing in an aquarium in the Keys. You know, they were closed, big aquarium, <laughs> barracuda. I had told my parents I was going to stay back and fish off the seawall, and I knew it was all premeditated. <laughs> you knew that's not what was happening. I went down there and hung a barracuda in this pool, and there was houses all the way around it, and this thing's tail walking and making a bunch of noise <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night. So... I had to make other arrangements yeah. real quick as a kid. And, yeah. But it was uh, it was a fun time for sure. Just uh, good times growing up and enjoying 
fishing and not worrying about the big fishing. You know, it's just like deer hunting. When I finally realized to look around at the people you're with, enjoy what God gives you, nature. Right. Right. Um, I've killed more deer since I've gotten in the stand and said, you know what? I don't really care. I'm just happy to be sitting here. Right. And then all of a sudden it comes out, you know, and it happens and I've caught more fish. You know, we're on Hubbard's boat over there and, you know, I wanted to do some promotion where it's not gag and red snapper season. You right. know? So we went red grouper fishing. Well, look at the bonus. We got a 94 pound Wahoo, right. you know, and it's, I didn't have to catch that Wahoo to do the show. Right. But it was part was of the, the show, which worked out great. And right. Had a great time. Jason, I appreciate you coming out. Yeah, man. Talking Thanks for the invite. Really and, appreciate uh, it. Every time, I'll come. Look them up. Sign Zoo. If you need your vehicle wrapped, tell them you saw them on Tales from the Dark Side, and he may give you a T-shirt or a koozie or something. But we, we appreciate you coming out. Appreciate Jason. you, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, man.